the thing I want to teach you as an apostolic leader is it's very simple. It's very simple. Just judge somebody by their fruit. It's that, it's that simple. Apple trees grow apples. The righteousness of God will draw people to repentance. People will be getting saved, delivered, healed. So if you followed me around, if you're like, what does Pastor Mike do Monday morning? I'm literally doing this. Am I right, Jules? It's like, so you'll know them by their fruit. And um, that's all I got to say about that. I'm talking about the blood of Jesus. Just the mention of the blood causes demons to tremble. Just the mention, just talking about the blood of Jesus. Oh, I can hear in the spirit demons saying, no, please don't talk about the blood. They hate conversations about the blood. Matter of fact, there's a reason why witches and warlocks will literally take the heads of chickens and sacrifice in Santeria. Anybody know about Santeria? Because they understand the significance of blood. They understand the importance of blood. So we're going to talk about the blood of Jesus. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. For those of you who are taking notes, it says this. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. So where is the life of the flesh? It's in the blood. And I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Somebody say the blood. So the blood was, so it says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. So all of you have blood in your body. If you have too little blood, what happens? You die. So, so blood is necessary for life. What Leviticus is saying is actually the blood is the life of the animal. So to release the blood is to release the life. But there's an exchange that's being made, say exchange. So this is very fundamental to your understanding today. The exchange, the exchange. Okay, I want to go a step deeper. There is nothing for free. When your pastor said salvation is free, it's free to you because Jesus paid for it. There is nothing that's free. If you've ever been given free lunch, it was free to you. Somebody else paid for it. Any free lunch kids in the room? I was a free lunch kid. It was free to me, but it wasn't free to y'all. <laughs> so somebody always pays a cost. You get what I'm saying? Some of you will not have given in the offering today. And, and, and this service was free for you, <laughs> but it wasn't free for us. <laughs> Y'all get what I'm saying? And somehow people have this concept that we can get something for nothing in life. Entitlement is at an all-time high. So nothing is free. And I think calling salvation free diminishes the significance of the cost. And, and I think if you treat salvation the way you treated your school lunch, you'll, you'll take what you want to take and throw away the rest. Oh, I'm preaching real good right now. Because usually when it's free, it's worthless. But when you understand the cost, it increases the worth. And so we got to understand that there were animals that were being killed and they were, and they were being, and as they were being sacrificed, the blood would be released in the life of the animal. Now let's talk about animals. Animals are governed by instinct, not intellect. 
So animals don't have free will. I know this surprises you because you think your cat is human. I know this is surprising because your dog does stuff and you're like, they understand, but I got bad news for you. They have an instinct. And even though they have a personality, that is true. Come on, we're holding out hope that they're gonna be in heaven waiting for you. Some of you have dogs that you're like, I hope they didn't make it. But they're governed by instinct. Why is this important? And why do you have to believe me? Well, number one, it's science. But number two, if an animal doesn't have a free will, it can't sin. So if a dog bites you, that dog didn't sin. It was engaged in an interaction where it felt it was necessary to bite you. Does this make sense? Now, maybe they had a really bad owner. Maybe one of those bad owners is you. (laughs) But animals are governed by instinct. Do you all understand this? So I had a dog back in the day that was a German Shepherd and Border Collie mix. And I named him Pauly D. I won't tell you why. It was back in that era, though. And so his name was Pauly D., my Italian dog, (laughs) German shepherd. Now I only fed him like the kibbles and bits stuff, you know, like that crunchy food, dog food. One day there was a fox in my backyard. Now this is Indiana stuff, by the way. There was a fox in my backyard that I, cause I had a huge garden and this fox caught a, a rabbit and I looked at the rabbit and, and it was bloods everywhere and there's blood all over the snout of the fox and then the light hit the fox's amber's eyes and it looked all scary and I was like, this is crazy. This is what happens in Indiana, hillbilly stuff. Then all of a sudden, Polly D comes running, my dog, and he runs up on that fox, takes the rabbit out of the fox's mouth and then in two bites goes and swallows that whole rabbit. And I was like, Polly, that was gangster. I didn't know you can do that. I've only been feeding you kibbles and bits. (laughs) And then I had to watch Polly for three days to make sure that he didn't get diseased and crazy eating rabbits in my backyard. And the fox never showed back up because he was like, that dog, something's off about that dog. Why do I say that? The instinct in my dog was it's so internally native to their operating system. I never taught my dog how to hunt and do that. It just, it's in it. Does this make sense? So because an animal is governed by instinct, it therefore cannot sin. And because it cannot sin, it's innocent. But because you have instinct and intellect, you can sin. So you don't just act on instinct. Matter of fact, the message of the Bible is just because you feel the desire doesn't mean you should do the desire. Do y'all, do y'all believe what I just said? You might feel like sleeping with her. Homie, you better run. The Bible says flee from sexual immorality. Run in the other direction because we are not to be led by our instinct alone because we have something greater than that. We have our intellect. But what happens in a fallen world? is we go, we do the things we know we shouldn't do. Can I get an amen? So God sets up a system. The system that he sets up, I just read in Leviticus, was take an animal that is pure, and as the life of that animal leaves through the blood, it is an exchange for your blood because, and your, because your blood is tainted by sin. Your blood is tainted by decisions that you shouldn't have made. And so there has to be an exchange. Okay, can I go even deeper? 
Why is this important? Because this is a legal, judicial matter. Now, I need you to understand, all, many of you, all you know is church. But Jesus didn't say, your church come. He said, your kingdom come. And when your kingdom has come, you will produce churches. The problem is we have churches, but no kingdom. But when you have kingdom, you'll always have churches. Oh, somebody, I'm revelating right now. So many of you don't understand kingdom. Okay, can I break that down for you? Okay, so God is a father. But do you know the only person that ever referred to him as father was Jesus? But before that, they knew him in a different revelation. They knew him as a righteous judge. And so when you understand the judicial matter, then, there, then now the exchange makes more sense because somebody has to pay the penalty for doing wrong. Now, I know when you get pulled over for speeding, you always have a reason. And I know you feel like they should let you go. I know when you get a ticket here in New York City, you know why you shouldn't have gotten that ticket. It got real quiet. But in a judicial environment, you did something that was wrong and the recompense for your sin was that ticket. Does this make sense? But in a lawless democratic generation, we think that the rules don't apply to us and we think that our voice matters. Those are two things that ancient people did not believe. That's why Moses said, who am I that you would be mindful of me? You understand Moses now is like, why, why am I interacting directly with you? Because you're a righteous judge and you're not supposed to get off of that seat and come around the corner and hug somebody who's guilty. You're supposed to throw the gavel down and send me away. Who am I that you would be mindful of me? The more you understand the cost, the more you increase the worth. And that's why he said, okay, now show me your glory because I'm already operating in a realm of grace. Oh, this is good. Are you getting something out of this? So there has to be an exchange. Why? Because there has to be a penalty. Why does there have to be a penalty? Because without a penalty, he's not righteous. Because righteous means there is a standard of right and wrong, and he's going to enact it. So all of a sudden, he begins to go through this process of an old covenant system where there is an exchange that's made, and it's the life of an innocent animal governed by instinct temporarily and re in a reoccurring manner covering the sins of people that have an instinct and they have an intellect. So it's a temporary atonement. Okay, can I keep going? taking y'all to school today. Next, we go from Leviticus. Now let's go to Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, somebody say the blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So who's striking the land of Egypt? The devil? No, the righteous God. Some of you, you came in because you got delivered from demons. Can I graduate you to the next level? Get the fear of God in you. Because God is righteous and holy, and he will not stand. People say, well, you know, how, how come good, bad things happen to good people? Want me to give you the 30-second the, the answer? There are no good people. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory 
and even the sin is in the blood of a child who they themselves never did anything and yet inherited the fall. Makes you think, doesn't it? Makes you think. Was Hitler Hitler before he did Hitler things? Oh, I'm messing with you bad today. The blood shall be a sign. So number one, the blood is a sign. The blood is a sign. It says, on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, not when I see how good you are, not when I see how nice you are, not when I see how much money you donate to the poor, not when I see how many, how many songs you sing, not when I see how many Bible studies or, or Torah studies that you have. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. There's something about the blood, and some of you are feeling so condemned because you think that God's looking at your Christian rituals, but God is looking to see the blood and either he sees the blood or he doesn't see the blood. Some of you who are religious think if I just buy a longer skirt and don't wear makeup, if I just stop cussing a little, he's not looking for, for your physical appearance. He's looking for the blood because where there is the blood, there is freedom. And so the blood will produce modesty, but modesty will never produce the life of the blood. The blood, oh, the blood will produce a mouth that blesses and not curses, but, but there's no such thing as a clean mouth without the blood. Oh, come on, I'm preaching deep for somebody today. I, you, we have to get a revelation of the blood. This series has been um, entitled, I Have Decided. And so here's the thing. There's one decision that y'all are gonna be asked to make today, and it's the easiest decision you'll ever make, hopefully, if I preach this right. It's not a decision to be good. It's a decision to apply the blood because the blood cries out innocence even though we're guilty. So how do you apply the blood? Have you ever heard the old time Pentecostals say, I plead the blood of Jesus? You ever hear that? Okay, let me tell you what that means and, and how do you apply the blood? I'm gonna show you in the Bible. So now we're in Leviticus and then we're in Exodus. So in Exodus, this is what was given, a very strict instruction. Now I'm gonna paraphrase for the sake of time. There was an instruction that said to the male of the family, the head of the home. Men, how many, how many heads of the home do we have represented at every campus? How many husbands, how many fathers, heads of the home? Come on, raise your hand loud and proud. Praise God. It said, go find a lamb that suits your family. The bigger the family, the bigger the lamb. It's gotta be a sufficient sacrifice. And then the male takes that lamb and brings it and then finds a basin. A basin is like a large tub. And the instruction was given that the male, that's the head of the home, would actually sacrifice that lamb and none of the blood could be wasted. It all had to be collected in the basin. And as the blood would begin to drain into the basin, then the instruction was given, go get hyssop. And when you find hyssop, bring it back and dip the hyssop in the blood in the basin and then begin to take that and put it over the doorpost of your home. Now, I got much revelation to unpack here. Number one, the instruction, oh, I'm gonna say it, Julie. The instruction wasn't given to the wife. It was given to the husband. Husbands, I know that you never saw your daddy pray. I feel the anointing on this. But it's time you start praying. 
I know you never seen your daddy grab your mom and take that oil and put that oil on her head and begin to pray for her, but you better start anointing your family. I know that you never received the prayers of your biological father, but I dare you. If you think giving your kid a 401k retirement, if you think giving your kid a trust fund, if you think giving your kid a house, if you think giving your kid a car is the apex of all accomplishment, why would you give them something that rusts? Why would you give them something that moth and flame can take away? But if you give them an inheritance of Jesus, you have given them an internal lineage. If you're thinking about leaving something behind. Leave behind a Bible. Leave behind a, a vat of olive oil. Leave behind the gifts of the Spirit. If you want to leave a legacy, the commandment was given to the head of the home. You go take that lamb. Bring Jesus into your home and don't waste that blood. Don't waste that blood. Don't waste that blood. Oh, I feel the power of God on this. We need men to pray the downfall of every society happened when the men stopped praying. The downfall of every society happened when the men stopped believing in Jesus. These spirits are after our men to entice and solicit them and tempt them to come out. See, watch. We, oh, this is a revelation. When you put the blood on the doorpost, you don't leave the house. As long as you're behind the blood, you're safe. But when you walk up out of that house, see, some of you men have walked past the threshold of the blood. You need to stay in the house of God. You need to stay under the blood. You need to stay in the presence of God. Don't you dare walk out. You got to stay behind the blood. Come on, man. But then it says, take hyssop. Now, y'all don't know what hyssop is. I've been to Israel. Hyssop is a weed that's everywhere. It's a weed that's everywhere. You can find hyssop everywhere. So God was saying, hey, I'm going to make this easy on you. Go find hyssop. And that hyssop is a weed. And then you'll take it and bundle it together like a paintbrush. And you'll dip it in that basin and sprinkle that blood over the doorpost. Let me tell you what hyssop represents. Now I'm going to take you to Revelation chapter 12. It says, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So therefore you need blood and you need a testimony. They overcame by the word of their, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So what is that hyssop? How do you, you, you take that hyssop? You know what it is? It's your testimony. And you take your testimony. You say, this was just a weed. My life was so worthless. My life had no purpose. I was drinking and smoking and sleeping around just this weed. But when I take that weed and dip it in the... Come on, some. When I take that weed and, and I, that thing that's carried no value and I put it in the blood, suddenly some things start getting saved. Some things start getting delivered. Suddenly it changes everything. How many of you are going to tell your testimony? 
Come on. That's how you plead the blood of Jesus is you take your hyssop, you take your story, you dip it in the blood, and then you say, devil, I may not be who I'm supposed to be, but I'm not who I used to be, and I've got the blood of Jesus. I'm putting it over the doorpost of my life. Shut your mouth, devil. Back up, accuser. The blood cries a different story. The blood says I'm forgiven, not forsaken. The blood says I'm the head and not the tail. The blood says I'm blessing the city and I'm blessing the country. Can somebody shout the blood? The blood. What's the difference? Was it that you went to Tony Robbins and he taught you how to break through? What's the difference? Is it that you signed up and they coached and mentored you? Daddy, what's the difference in our family? Is it because you got the e-course and learned how to make wealth? Daddy, what's the difference? No, I'll tell you, there's only one difference. That hyssop in the field is a weed, but that hyssop covered by the blood is victory. I'll tell you the secret, daughter, it was nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'll tell you the secret, son, it was nothing but the blood of Jesus. Independent of the blood. We were like every other weed growing in the field, but one day we got covered in the blood. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I'm an old time preacher in a new time body, and I'm preaching the blood of Jesus this Sunday because we need to get a revelation of the blood. We've heard enough motivational preaching. We've heard we need to hear about the blood of Jesus. It runs into the deepest valley. It goes into the lowest crevice. The thing about water is it flows all the way into every crack and crevice. I don't know how deep some of you are. Some of you are in a pit right now. The blood of Jesus flows into the deepest pit. He comes from that hill. That's why Jesus died on a hill called Calvary because the lamb was put up in a high place so that blood can run down to the lowest of the low. It's running into prisons systems right now. It's It'll run into the subway system of New York City. The blood runs into the deepest valley. I feel the power of God on this. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. The blood terrorizes the devil. The blood it should be a sign. Number one, the blood is a sign. Whew. We ain't sugarcoating it today. It's a sign. Okay, here's the next thing. The blood is a sound. The blood is a sound. First, it's a sign, but that sign produces a sound. And there's always going to be two different kinds of sounds. In the book of Exodus, as the spirit of death was moving through the neighborhood, it was, what, you know what it was the sound of? It was the sound of people dying. We've got kids getting arrested in the streets of New York City. We got kids in Northwest Indiana getting high on meth, getting high on opiates, destroying their life. There's a sound in America right now. It's the sound of suicide. It's the sound of death. There's a plague upon this country. Let me just tell you, it's, it's the sound of opiates. There's somebody right now doing drugs for the very first time, losing an innocence. They can only get back by the blood right here in a 10 mile radius of this venue where I'm standing. There's always 
these two sounds. There's going to be the sound of Satan, and then there's the sound of salvation. And let me just tell you, the reason why we hate gossip at this church is because the sound of backbiting, the sound of complaining, the sound of murmuring, the sound of fault finding, the sound of gossip, that sounds like you are a son or daughter of Satan. But when the people of God get together, there's another sound that happens. It's the sound of prophecy being released. It's the sound of decrees and declarations. It's the sound, oh, come on, somebody, help me preach this thing. There's another. And so the question isn't, do you have opinions? It's, do you know the sound? Because the God preaching good, because the kingdom has a sound to it. When you dial your ears, you'll know what that sound is. Let me read it to you. I'm going to prove it to you because some of you think I'm lying. The kingdom has a sound. Revelation chapter seven, verse nine. You are in the Bible. If you're a believer, you're in the Bible. If you're a true believer, you are in the Bible. I'm going to read it to you. You're here. Prophetically, you're here. And this is going to be a literal moment of your life because your life is not just your physical body. It's your eternal existence as a spirit. And if you are a true believer, you're going to be joined together with a new body. And there's a time. So can I tell you where you're at? Some of you are like, I'm in the Bible. Yes. A man named John, John, the revelator saw a vision and he was looking at a future version of you. And you may not even know it. Can I read what happened? After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation. Now, can I add my own in there? If it says every nation and there was a great multitude and even people from America, even people from the United States were there from every tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. Why do they call him the lamb? Can I tell you why? Because in the old covenant, it was a lamb, then another lamb, then another lamb. Every time the people sinned, a lamb had to be slaughtered to be exchanged. But the reason why they call him the lamb is because it was for once and forever. Once he died, it was never going to happen. He said, it is finished. I'm not a lamb. I'm the lamb. I am the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. We don't have a lamb. We have the lamb, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher of our faith. We have the lamb the sacrifice to end all sacrifice and it says clothed in white robes I know what you're going to be wearing on this day you're going to be wearing a white robe and you're going to look out and you're going to see the multitudes I want to preach the Bible three dimensionally because either you believe the Bible is true or you don't and if you believe it's true there's going to be a moment where you look out at the multitudes. Want me to say something crazy? You might even remember this sermon. You might be looking out and say, there's Randall. There's Josh. Look, there's Harvey and Jess. And we're all wearing white robes. We made it, guys. All the suffering, all the pain. All the tribulations, all the trials, it's all over. We made it. But this is what it says. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Do you know what a palm branch represents? To ancient people, it represented victory. 
If you would go into the ancient temples, the people of God would actually etch palm branches into the interior of the building because it was as if you went into the building, it was as if it was saying, this is a house of victory. If you could see V1 Church in the spiritual realm, I believe in every movie theater and every nightclub and every, and every place we set up, I believe that there's palm branches in the spiritual realm that surround us and say, this is a house of victory. And this is verse 10. So I need you all to stand on your feet for this one. Even if you're watching at home right now, I dare you to stand up. So they're all in white robes, washed by the blood of the lamb. They all have palm branches in their hand. Can you imagine a day where you're in this multitude and you look down at your hand and you see the palm branch that was given to you and you say, I remember when Pastor Mike told me this day was coming. If the Bible's not that literal to you, then you've got to question some areas of unbelief that the Lord wants to get you free from because this was a vision of the future. And it says that they were before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the lamb. They're crying out with a loud voice. Some people say V1 Church is too loud. Those people worship too loud. Those people, he shouts too loud while he's preaching. I'm reading you verse 10. It says those that have been washed by the blood of the lamb with palm branches in their hand, they're all crying out with a loud voice. I come from a lineage of loud. I come, Paul and Silas were loud in a jail cell and that jail cell broke open. I come from a lineage of loud. Pentecost in the upper room, when they had tongues of fire upon their head, they were speaking in tongues loudly. I come from a Pentecostal lineage of loud. Are there any loud worshipers in V1? Are there any loud saints in Long Island? Are there any people loud in New York City? Are there any people who are waiting to get loud? Hallelujah! Crying out with a loud voice. Let me read this next one. Watch this. Verse 11. I love it. And the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God. The saints, the human beings that were washed by the blood of the lamb were singing blessing and honor and glory to the one who redeemed and saved us, but the angels all bowed down. Why? because there were no redemption for the angels. Because the angels' decision was final. And they simply said, all I can do is bow down but there's something about being human. My savior was human and it causes a song to well up on the inside of me. I once was blind, but now I see. Even the angels can't sing this song, but I've been saved. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Oh, what a wretch like me, saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody who is grateful for amazing grace? grace how sweet the sound when I heard of this grace that I had oh it 
did something in my life. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Is there somebody thankful for the blood? Is there, I said, is there somebody thankful for the blood? Come on, sing this. Okay, I gotta tell you something. I gotta tell you something. First, the blood is a sign, and then the blood produces a sound. I wanna read Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. For if the blood of goats and bulls, I can hardly even read it, I just feel in the glory. I feel the power of God. Somebody's about to experience major freedom. For if the blood of goats, (laughs) if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Let me show you something. I was asking the Lord this morning. I said, but my whole family, on my dad's side, they were Catholics. They knew you, God. They knew the word. Why why me? Why have you done this with my life? Why have you been so good to me, God? And I was crying out. And he said, Mike, I don't know who I'm talking to. The blood does nothing if it's left in the basin. And some of you have family members who are Catholic, family members who are, are Protestant, but the, and, but the difference is you can't leave the blood in the basin. You've got to take the hyssop and you've got to dip it in and put that blood over your doorpost. And he said, Michael, it's because you learned how to apply the blood. You didn't leave the blood in the basin. You put that blood over your life. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but you got to put that blood over the doorpost of your life. Don't leave it in the basin. This is not a Sunday only experience. You got to have it over your house. Come on. That's why number three, the blood is a sanctifier. Come on, somebody. The blood sanctifies. It sets apart. It says, I'm going to make you into something your ancestors never could become. The blood is a sanctifier. Come on, let's lift up some worship. We got to worship. Come on, we got to worship. Come on, somebody step in. Come on, sing this from your spirit.
want to do something. I want to do something right now as we come to a close. I want to speak to all the males at every single location right now. If there's any men who want to come up under the covering of the blood, just come to the front right now. If there's any men who say, I want to come up under the covering of the blood. If there's any men who want to come on, fill it up, fill it up, fill it up. Come on, pack it in closer. Come on in closer. Come on, look at all these young men. Yeah, we're not keeping the blood in the basin today. We're not keeping the blood in the basin today. Come on, the devil's losing big today. Come on, the devil's losing big today. I'm talking to all the men. The blood, the blood, the blood. Come on. I want to say this. I want to say this over each and every one of these men at every location that came up. I'm a grown man with a family of my own now. Every single one of my ancestors are dead. I'm the only man left. I was in Gracie Mansion, literally with the mayor of New York City, when I got the news that the last remaining Signorelli died that moment. As God was lifting me up, and the last Signorelli was making a transition out. And so I have many lonely days. I don't know what it's like for you, but it's gonna be lonely standing for Jesus. It's gonna be hard standing for Jesus because this whole world is a demonic system that's orchestrated to slaughter your purpose and to take you out of the will of God. And alone, we can't do this. And what I love about the story of Exodus is they all had to be in their own individual home, but they knew when they heard that sound outside their door that there were many other homes that were covered by the blood. And so many of you have to go back to your home and sometimes there's an isolation and a loneliness, but I want you to hear the sound because what you're hearing is the sound of all these believers around you that say you may be the only one in your family, but you're not the only one in your spiritual family. That's what it says. That's what this sound is. That's what this sound is. So I want to pray over each and every single one of you right now across every location because this is what the devil fears. Let me give you some comfort before I pray. The power to save was not in the sprinkling of the blood. It was in the blood. Sprinkling the blood was the easy part, but the power was in the blood. So right now when you came forward, at every location, that was you just sprinkling the blood over your doorpost. Don't you dare allow condemnation, guilt, shame to beat you up because you're not saved because of what you do. You're saved because of the blood of the lamb. And that blood is over your life. So I'm gonna pray for each and every one of you. I see your tears. Real men cry, real men cry. I see your tears. Some of you need to begin to release it right now. Some of you are holding it back. This is real strength. This strength isn't in muscles. It's in the blood. Come on, it's in the blood. Some of you, right now you've been fighting so hard. And the Lord says, see what I love about the blood is when the spirit of death passed by, no man was strong enough to fight that spirit of death. All they had to do was come up under the blood. Let me tell you, men, you're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're not fast enough. It's whether or not you're underneath the blood. When you're under the blood, he fights those battles for 
for you. He does it on your behalf. He goes up ahead of you and makes a way for you. Yeah, come on, there's freedom happening right here in New York City. The Lord is going to do it on your behalf. When you took a step forward, the Lord says that devil had to take a step out. Jesus' name. I pray over each and every man of our house. I plead the blood of Jesus over them now. I break every curse of poverty, every curse of lust and perversion and shame in the name of Jesus. Every single curse of doubt and anxiety and fear and depression in Jesus' name. Every ungodly soul tie be severed off of them in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for freedom, freedom, freedom. Thank you.